Fun fact for you guys, 65,000 coaches turned to get the pancake in 2019 for advice, volleyball drills, and coaching resources. That's like a lot of coaches. Whether they were looking for free stat sheet downloads, goal-setting worksheets to use with their team, or just a fun warm-up to start practice with, I'm proud to say, get the pancake delivered. In this past year, we've added tons of valuable information to getthepancake.com. New digital downloads, free handouts, and of course, more drills and tips. There's a lot planned for 2020, and I don't want you to miss it. If you want to continue growing as a coach, sign up for the Get the Pancake newsletter by going to getthepancake.com. There's a sign up link at the top of the homepage. You can't miss it. Come and join our thriving community and let me help you have your best season yet. Hi there, coaches. It's Whitney from Get the Pancake, a podcast for volleyball coaches. In today's episode, I'm going to be reading to you from getthepancake.com, which is a website for volleyball coaches. So yes, Get the Pancake is a podcast and a website, and there's a bunch of social media things going on as well. The article that I'm going to be reading to you today is titled The Ultimate Guide to Coaching 5th and 6th Grade Volleyball, Rules, Skills, Drills, and More. I just published this on the website, I believe last weekend, and I thought this was a really important topic to cover in depth. So this is probably my longest article that I have on getthepancake.com. There is just so much going on in 5th and 6th grade. Honestly, this is probably one of the more crucial times that it's very important that coaches kind of cover all aspects of volleyball and sort of start to lead these athletes to what they will become once they get into middle school and high school. And having coached for quite some time now, the first time that I coached a group of fifth and sixth graders, I had really high expectations for what they would be able to achieve. Where I was coaching these players, most of them had already been to some skills clinics and they had been playing in recreational volleyball for a couple of years already. Where I was coaching previously, many of these athletes started playing volleyball in first grade. So I went in with a lot of ideas about how I was going to coach these players into becoming elite fifth and sixth grade athletes. And there's just a lot of things when it comes to comprehension of the different concepts in volleyball that I thought they would be able to understand. And instead, they ended up really struggling with things like positions and going to base and everything. What I'm trying to say, I guess, is that You don't need to make 5th and 6th grade volleyball too complicated, but there are certain ways that I have found over the years to introduce these more challenging concepts that they'll be able to use once they get into the next level of volleyball. So we're not trying to skip ahead, we're just guiding them along this path. So enough of the introduction here, let's just get right into the article. The Ultimate Guide to Coaching 5th and 6th Grade Volleyball Rules, Skills, Drills, and More by Whitney Bartuk from GetThePancake.com Ah, 5th and 6th grade volleyball. An exciting time for players and a challenge for coaches and parents. 
This is when most players are being introduced to the sport, and no matter how athletic a player might be, there are a ton of complicated concepts that will interfere with their performance. This is when coaches, myself included, tend to get frustrated. We know that we have athletic kids on our teams, but they just can't quite seem to get it. Having worked with this age group for a couple of years now, I've finally realized a system that works best for teaching 5th and 6th graders how to play volleyball. Instead of getting frustrated that the ball drops between players, or that they serve and watch the ball come right back to where they should have been, I've realized that it's my job to teach these very basic concepts to players instead of assuming they'll pick up on it. It sounds obvious, but I know I'm not the only one who has gone through this before. I've broken down the basics into different categories, so... We're going to cover the basic rules of volleyball, where to stand on a volleyball court, basic volleyball skills, volleyball concepts, and finally, I include the best drills for 5th and 6th grade volleyball teams. In my opinion, the concepts are the most important element of teaching volleyball to beginners. Once players understand how the game works and what they're supposed to do and why, they can focus on the skills and getting better. Why? because they'll actually be able to keep the ball in the air longer than two to three touches. So without further ado, here is a list of everything you need to teach fifth and sixth grade volleyball players to get them off to a good start in their volleyball careers. Basic volleyball rules. First, there are only three touches per side before the ball needs to go over the net. As players get older, this will become passet hit, which is commonly called bump set spike at the younger ages. Many 5th and 6th grade players believe they need to pass the ball back over the net on the first contact. I'm going to give you a drill at the end of this that focuses on using all three of these hits instead of just sending the ball back over. The next basic volleyball rule is that there are no doubles. So as soon as player A touches the ball, another player has to touch it before player A can touch it again. If a player has a bad contact and it ends up close by, what I've noticed is that they will often take another swing at it to try to pass it again. This deters other players from going after the ball because, honestly, they might get hit by the player who made the last contact. No, they're not going to get it right away. What you need to do is emphasize freezing if they make a bad contact. This will allow other players to come in and play the ball without fear. The next basic volleyball rule, do not touch the net. Technically, there are more exact rules for when you can and cannot touch the net. In my opinion, this is too much for 5th and 6th graders to remember. Just tell them that they're not allowed to touch the net to keep life simple and safer. Similarly to do not touch the net, the next rule is to stay on your side of the net. And just like touching the net, there are rules about how you can and cannot cross the center line. Again, just tell them that they can't step under the net to make things easy and reduce rolled angles. The last rule that I think is important to emphasize with this age group is that the back row cannot hit in the front row. Look, hitting is fun, and players who especially like hitting will sometimes run into the front row from the back row to hit the ball. While there are a ton of technicalities around this rule, we're again going to simplify and say that players who are in the back row can only downball the ball, which we'll talk about more when we start talking about skills. You may have noticed that many of these rules have been simplified, and that's because in my past experiences, I tried to teach the exact rules, and I learned that that just confuses everyone. Keep it simple, they can learn the technicalities later. The next thing that we're going to talk about is positions, substitutions, and playing time. 
First, there are six players on the court at a time. You will most likely have 10 players or more on your team, and that means that everyone will have to sit out at some point, and probably for half of the game. That's just how volleyball works. Explain this to your players and their parents so that you have fewer pouty lips on the sideline. And just as a warning, there will still be some players who get mad when they're out. They'll probably cross their arms and complain that it's not fair that they have to sit out, even if playing time is equal. You've been warned. Next, regarding positions, I do not recommend using a libero for 5th and 6th graders unless you're playing club volleyball. Most players are not specialized in 5th and 6th grade to have a true libero identified. Even though it would be fun to mix it up and have players experience playing libero, I'd save that for advanced teams or club teams who are a few months into the season. As a side note, while I'm going through all of these, you're more than welcome to disagree and test out your own theories with your fifth and sixth grade volleyball team, but this is what I've found works with multiple teams in multiple locations throughout the US. So this is how I recommend coaching this age group, but again, you're more than welcome to do your own thing. The next piece of advice that I have for playing positions is to have your players play the position that they rotate into. One of my biggest mistakes coaching fifth graders in the past was expecting them to understand positions. Sixth graders during long seasons may be able to figure out positions, but fifth grade, especially beginner players, should just play the position they rotate into. Having your players set when they rotate into middle front is easiest, but having them set from right front is more like the game they'll learn as they get older. So if you have complete beginners, just set from the middle front to make life a little easier. And then for intermediate volleyball teams, try setting from the right front. If you have a more experienced team or if you're playing club, I would recommend that you learn how to run a 6-2, which at this age I think would be best because of equal playing time and simplicity. Or you can run a 5-1, but in my opinion, they're not going to be specialized enough or able to even remember all of the different places that they have to stand on the court when running a 5-1. When it comes to substitutions, I suggest that you make subs when players rotate into front row or back row. So playing time is most commonly determined by when a player is in front row or back row. Before the game, designate players who will play front row or back row and tell them who they are subbing in for. An example would be Kayla will play front row, and as she's rotating into back row, Jennifer will sub in. Technically, you can make substitutions anytime you want, but this is what is standard at all levels of volleyball. Just as a heads up, players who only play front row will sub out right before they serve. This often results in hurt feelings because all players want to serve, so I would mix up who plays front row and back row on occasion. Also, substitutions are typically made when your team wins a rally and rotates, not when you lose a rally and are in the middle of a rotation. Again, you can sub at any time, but this is what's normal. All right, now I want to talk about skills. To start us out, we're going to discuss serving. All rallies start with a serve, and being able to get the ball over to start a rally is critical. Underhand and overhand serving are both acceptable at these ages, but club will be primarily overhand. Overhand serving will be expected by seventh grade in most areas, so start to teach your players the overhand serve when you feel they are ready. Many fifth graders are able to serve overhand if they are taught the proper mechanics and given time. 
in my opinion, over and in is more important than a tough serve. When I'm teaching the underhand serve, I use rock and pop as my keywords. And then for overhand serving, toss and high five are my keywords. So keywords are things that you sort of repeat over and over again to your players to help them remember the mechanics of a certain movement. Now I do have a video on YouTube about underhand serving if that's what you would prefer to use. And honestly, I would suggest using underhand serving if your players are not strong enough to overhand serve yet. The video almost has 100,000 views. I'll link to it in the description, but it is a long explanation of the different steps so that you have a full understanding of what to do going into practice when you're teaching the underhand serve. Now let's talk about passing. So passing and keeping the ball on your side of the net is one of the toughest concepts to teach, which we're gonna talk about later. I want you to teach players to get behind the ball and stay sort of hunched over as they're passing. Swinging at the ball only causes shanks, which is volleyball speak for bad pass that no one else can touch. It's also important that you teach players to move in all directions to pass the ball. Start with teaching side to side movement, then running forward to pass the ball, and finally how to pass the ball after moving backwards. You can try to pack this all into one day, but this is probably going to come over the course of a season especially moving backwards and then passing the ball forwards, that is very challenging for fifth and sixth graders. So worry about side to side first and then running forward and stopping before we pass the ball. Those are the ones that I would highlight. As a coach, do not always toss the ball nicely to players in practice. The ball rarely, if ever, comes to them nicely in a game. The results may not be pretty in practice, but when you get in a game situation, you'll see that your team is likely much more prepared than your opponent. Also, practice serve-receive, which is passing the ball after it's been served, since this will be the most common passing contact that young players will have on the ball. At this age, there aren't too many rallies, so their passes, as I just said, will most likely come in serve-receive. Setting. Okay, setting as a setter is rare at the younger ages, the setting motion can also be called overhand passing and can be used at other times in a match rather than just setting an attacker for a hit. So teach setting slash overhand passing as an alternative to backpedaling and passing the ball. This often results in a better contact and keeps the ball in play longer. It also just kind of makes sense to players to stick their arms up and overhand pass rather than keep their passing form, shuffle backwards, and then pass the ball forward. When you're teaching setting in the context of setting the ball so it can be hit, teach your players to set down the alley, that's what I like to call it, instead of setting to a person. So I have uh, an article about setting down the alley and I'll link that in the description. But a lot of players get confused and think, oh, I want Alejandra to hit, I'm going to set to Alejandra. And what they need to do is set in front of her so that she can do her approach and hit the ball there. So this is like in football, you throw the ball where the receiver is going to be, not where they actually are when you release the ball. Now we're going to talk about hitting. So hitting is like everybody's favorite thing to do, except for like one or two people on the team. Hitting in the front row is complicated, but often players like hitting so much that they will practice their footwork and arm swing at home. That makes your job a lot easier at practice. Start by teaching how to downball the ball 
and just forget about the full approach footwork to start with. Just work on the last two steps and contacting the ball at the right time, no jumping involved. Once players are ready, teach them the four-step approach. Most of us coaches grew up doing the three-step approach, but at the higher levels, this has pretty much been abandoned for the four-step approach simply because of the momentum and timing that it gives players. So if you've been teaching three-step, that's fine. But moving forward, I am only teaching the four-step approach. So not only are you going to teach them to downball the ball from the front row, you're going to teach them to downball the ball from the back row as well. This reduces the number of times the ball drops and it gets big cheers from the crowd. If you try to emphasize the full approach too early on, you'll get players just running into the net and tripping over themselves. So just focus on the last two steps and the arm swing and don't worry about jumping. The last skill that I think often gets overlooked is jousting. So after your team has been practicing a while, you'll notice that when the ball is close to the net, they'll often just stare and let it drop. Teaching your players to joust, regardless of height, will help you win more points because they'll know what to do when the ball is close to the net. You may even get some inadvertent blocks out of this training. Now, if you're wondering what the heck is jousting, I always like to introduce this to my players in practice by asking them what they think jousting is. And oftentimes you'll have one or two that say it's when the two people on the horses are riding at each other and try to hit each other with the sword. And that's basically what we're doing, except we're doing it in volleyball. So we're trying to hit the ball back over onto the other side of the net before the other team can. I have a whole article on what jousting is and how to teach it to your players. As always, the link will be in the description, so just go and check that out to learn more about jousting. All right, it's time to talk about concepts, and like I said in my intro, this is, in my opinion, the most important part of what you teach to your young athletes. And that's because once they understand these concepts, everything else becomes so much more simple. The first concept is to serve and then run into defense. <laughs> so players will often serve and then watch their serve. And since for your opponent, the easiest contact on the ball often results in it returning right back to where it came from, this usually ends up in a point and side out for the other team. So practice serving and then running onto the court and getting into ready position. You get bonus points if you then throw a ball to this player and have them pass immediately after. With a lot of these concepts, it's important that you actually design a drill that incorporates these concepts because just telling your players what to do isn't gonna help. They need their body to go through the motion that way they understand fully what you're talking about and then you can refer back to the drill if they forget about it during a match. The next concept is understanding who is responsible for what area of the court when passing. And I like to use what I call my two-step rule. Balls drop all the time because it lands in between two players or worse yet, just right next to someone. Since you'll probably be running a very basic defense at this age, I like to teach my players that any ball within two steps of them, well, it's theirs. This is more concrete to them than telling them it's theirs if it's in their zone or something like that. As a side note, I would suggest that you make the best use out of your most aggressive players 
and put them next to players who don't move much to start out. This will result in less dropped balls to start your season, and as time goes on, expand the responsibilities for your more timid players. Another concept that this age group really struggles with is that the setter chases down the second ball. Since you're probably having everyone set at this age, it can be hard for players to get into a setter mindset. Teach players that when they are the setter, the second ball is theirs. When they rotate into setter position, have them say it out loud, both as a reminder to them and for their teammates. Some teams will let their setters call help if they can't get to the second ball. And then what happens is a teammate is supposed to step in and pass or set the ball. But I'm just going to be honest, this is really confusing for this age group. So I would only use this if your team has more experience. Otherwise, I would institute a no help policy. There will be dropped balls, but that will motivate your team to pass better. Setters are also more likely to go for it if they know that no one else is going to get in their way. So practice having your players set from different spots on the court and make sure that they practice running there from wherever you have your setter positioned. This will help them feel more confident come game time. So once your setter finally figures out that they have to go and get that second ball, then of course what happens? Well, they said somebody and that person isn't ready. <laughs> so the next concept is to make sure that your hitters are preparing to hit while the setter is getting the ball. Just like setters forget to chase down the second ball, hitters forget that their turn to touch the ball is coming up next. This will be one of the hardest concepts to teach new players since getting a true pass set hit sequence is pretty rare at this age. Teach your hitters to recognize that a set is coming and that it could come from different angles by running hitting lines with your team, but have your tosses go to different spots on the court. They will start to recognize who the ball is going to based on where the pass is, helping them prepare to hit. All right, you sent the ball over. It's time to watch it and see if the other team messes up, right? No, your team needs to get back into a defense mindset after the ball goes over. That's our next concept that is really challenging for this age group. Because once you finally hit it, you want to just see what happens. And so everyone stops moving and watches the ball. But players should learn to reset after the ball goes back over and get into their base position on the court. More advanced teams might have true positions that they run to, but younger teams just need to get back into their zone on the court. So incorporate moving into base by practicing this movement every time your team sends the ball back over the net in as many drills as you can. I would also use reset or base as a keyword as an easy way to remind them in the middle of a match when they inevitably forget to do this. <laughs> the last concept that I think will really help you out when you're coaching this age group is to teach them front row jousting for a tight ball. Now we talked about this in skills, but the concept can be tough for players to understand. Now coaches' eyes light up when a tall player walks into their gym for tryouts. You'll surely win all your matches with someone who can reach over the net without even jumping. However, you need to teach those players, and all others, what to do at the net, instead of assuming that they'll naturally know what to do. When the ball is tight to the net and you're not sure what side it'll come down on, Many players will just stand back and watch, but teach your players to jump up to meet the ball and you'll likely win 70% or more of these balls until other teams figure this out too. When two players go up for a ball, it's called jousting. 
like I mentioned earlier, there's a link in the description that explains what jousting is. All right, we've finally gotten to the drills portion of the article. So knowing what skills to teach is one thing, but having drills to teach them is another. I've put together a brief list of some of my favorite drills to run with this age group, but many of the drills on Get the Pancake will work too. Even if something seems a little too advanced, there's often a variation at the end of the article that gives you a simpler way to run the drill. I will briefly discuss each drill, but I'll just include a link to all of these drills. That way you can go and check them out for yourself. The first one is Dead Fish, which is a fun accuracy serving game. The next is Hitting Survivor, and this helps players aim their hits and then also teaches being in the right spot for passing. Then there's shuttle passing, which encourages players to read the ball correctly and teaches them the right height to pass the ball. Then there's jousting group work, which I already talked about jousting a whole lot. It's pretty important to go through this at least once with your team. Then there's also one touch, two touch, three touch Columbus. That's a really long name for a drill, but this eventually reinforces that your team can use all three touches and you eventually work up to that point where each side is using all three. Finally, queen of the court is one of the most basic volleyball drills and just about everyone who has played volleyball has ran this drill and that's because it's awesome. It reinforces a lot of the skills that we've discussed and it also teaches a lot of the concepts as well. So I highly encourage you to go and check out all of these drills along with just exploring getthepancake.com. Before I let you go, be sure to join our closed Facebook group, which is Volleyball Coaches Corner. That way you have a place to turn when you have questions. If you're new to coaching volleyball, I also highly recommend that you check out my book, which is titled Coaching Volleyball, A Survival Guide for Your First Season. This is just teaching you how to run a team effectively. So it's about team management. It's about taking stats. It's about preparing for your first tournament, how to run a practice. How to run your season is a pretty complicated process. So this is the book that I was looking for when I first started coaching. I wanted something that just told me this is what you need to do. And I really struggled to find anything out there. That's why after coaching for a couple of years, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. If nobody else is going to write it, I'm going to write it. I've received a ton of awesome feedback from coaches who read the book, and there are many people who recommend it out there. I obviously think that you should read it, and I think it would be a good gift for someone as well if you have a friend who is new to coaching. Even if you are past your first season, if you're in your second or third, I still think it would be a good read. You can get it as an ebook or as a paperback. It's only available through Amazon. So of course, I'll include a link. That's the last one that I have for you guys. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Get the Pancake podcast wherever you're listening to it. And if you can leave a review, I would love that. I love getting feedback about what I'm doing well, what I can improve on. So if you're wanting longer podcast episodes, shorter podcast episodes, more drill-specific, skill-specific, coaching philosophy, whatever. Leave it in the review. I read them. I check them all the time. Be sure to follow at Get the Pancake on Instagram, Facebook, and even Pinterest. I am wishing you all happy holidays. I'm so thankful that you are here, and I can't wait to have you back for the next episode on the Get the Pancake podcast.